Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. Of course, this is our weekly podcast where we share our stories of starting and running our float centers, where we provide insights and tips along the way, everything that we've learned about running our float centers and all of our pitfalls, all that good stuff. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Art of the Float. And let's see here. What else? Oh, go to just just. Go to artofthefloat.com and snoop around. There's, there's all sorts of stuff to check out. Of course, you've got the show notes that have links and pictures from all of our episodes, as well as uh, uh, products. Patreon uh, is is going on now. Amazon. We can now. If you're up in Canada, you can help support the show if you like. And uh, of course, you can check out the roundtables that are going on as well. So, snoop around. We've got a website that's been up for a few months now, but it's still per, uh, fairly new. If you want to check that out, I'm Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon, with my wife Sandra. I'm joined tonight with Amy of Nash uh, oh my god I almost went back a year ago and mispronounced that uh, Amy of Float Nashville not Nashville Float wow that's a great callback <laughs> and wow. in a yeah <laughs> in a nice real life <laughs> thanks in a nice real life uh, kind of kind of uh, insight to Lance's life right now um, he is back to working and so he is not joining us tonight he will be in the future joining the show uh, continuing while he's still running um the float shack as well, but uh, he's not with us tonight. Uh, tonight's guest, uh, Beck and Mick of Weeded Warrior, will be joining us tonight. So that's going to be very interesting to get into. Um, we're going to be learning more about veterans, about what they're doing to help support veterans, and, and of course PTSD, and of course how floating gets involved in all of that. So I'm stoked to get in on that. I do want to give a shout out to Mark Cheshire, who <laughs> is <laughs> supported the show this week via our Patreon. Thanks so much for supporting the show. It, uh, it makes a big difference. We really appreciate it. And, Thank you, Mark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is my business partner, by the way, y'all. And I had no clue who's doing it. So. You didn't force him to? I just assumed. I did not. No. And I, that was a big surprise. So thank you, Mark. Um, I love uh, you. Thank you so much. He's, he's got a big heart. He's a very sweet yes. man. Thank you, Mark. And a little little thank you card is, is in the mail for you. Aww. Thank you. Uh, if anybody else is interested in supporting, artofthefloat.com forward, uh, excuse me, patreon.com forward slash artofthefloat is where you want to go to chiggity check that out. Uh, we have a soundproofing roundtable June 28th. This is going to be an awesome one. It's it's nitty gritty, and we're going to go at a speed where you can definitely retain the information, but you're going to walk out of this with uh, with some serious soundproofing knowledge. I'm really excited. I mean, we're going to start out with the real basic stuff, and, and we're going to get to make sure that uh, to the point where you walk out of there confidently uh, able to assess soundproofing equipment in the future. So that's going to be a fun one. And, of course, I want to give a shout-out to FloatAway. The company started in 1999. They've been around for more than a minute with a Tranquility float tank. And they made some big innovations like the, the motorized door, the uh, pump being inside of the footprint, which is still a pretty rare one. And uh, then expanded years later, I think 20, 2003, with the float cabin. And, of course, the float around, which is the one that you're going to see in... Uh, uh, Justin Feinstein, excuse me, Justin Feinstein's float center at Liber. So uh, they're in over 49 countries now, including the U.S. And uh, yeah, check them out if you're interested. It's uh, floataway.com is where you want to go to check them out. Say hi to Ginny and Colin for me. They're amazing people. Ooh, ooh, ooh. How you doing this week, Amy? <laughs> I am. I think I'm doing about as good as you are. It's kind of crazy. Wait, what are you saying? What? Am I not uh, coming across great? What's going on? <laughs> I, I know. I know that you. I know that you're having a. I know that you're having a crazy week, and yeah. and you and I, we were talking before this whole uh, podcast got started. I think we got each other all all revved up and <laughs> wound why up and ready to go. <laughs> unable to say a sentence properly, maybe. I'll try to slow uh, down a little bit. 
but no, 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 it's fantastic. You know, I love, I love just hanging out with you and being with you, and I'm sure everybody Likewise. else who's listening does as well. Um, <laughs> hey, so, so, go, my week has been, my week has been busy, and it's actually um, not just centered around floating the float business this week. So, um, hmm. you know, a lot of y'all maybe this is your first time round as an entrepreneur. Uh, but I actually come by it very naturally. My father's a serial entrepreneur. Every time I see him, he's starting something new. And and uh, he actually came down to Nashville this past week to spend about three three or four days with me. And whenever my father and I are together, um, yeah, all it is, it's all business all the time. And, uh, yeah, so we, we cooked up another business, which I think I might have mentioned a little bit of last week on these uh, podcasts with Gloria, but it has continued and um, taken a lot of time. Um, fortunately, I have a really great team. They're taking care of things at the float center, but um, you know, it's been, it's been kind of crazy and I'm sure I'm not alone when I say this, but um, I'm balancing four businesses right now and things have been feeling a little wow. overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Really? It's Kind of crazy, a little overwhelming, <laughs> having some decision fatigue. Mm. I have never uh, in my life wanted somebody else to make decisions. Huh. It's like, please, I go home, you know, I make decisions all day. I go home, my husband's like, well, where do you want to eat tonight? I'm like, I don't care. I honestly do not care. You just <laughs> pick it and go because <laughs> nice. it can be like the place I hate the most and I won't care right now. Um, so, you know, I've been uh, trying to take a little bit more care of myself because I don't know about you, Dylan. But when I'm in this state, um, you know, I have this default reaction. Um, when I'm tired, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I have a default reaction that I go to. And it's not a healthy one. It's, hmm. it's one where it? I freeze up. Oh, okay. And I, it's very difficult for me to, to fight through that. And so when I'm going through these times, I have to be extra careful with myself to make sure I'm getting my sleep, to make yeah. sure I'm eating okay, yeah. make sure I'm mm -hmm. delegating. Because if I don't, I'm going to go right back to that default reaction where I'm just frozen and I can't do everything and mm -hmm. anything and everything feels like it's piling and piling and piling up and piling up. Mm -hmm. And I end up, you know, exploding or yelling or doing something I don't want to do. So yep. um, this past week has been a lot about... Um, about trying to find those places, finding those blank spaces in between or putting blank spaces in between all my decisions and all my work so that I slow down <laughs> and, um, and uh, make good decisions and, right. and not sabotage myself. So it's been kind of a <laughs> busy, busy time. Um, kind of crazy. You brought up some really interesting things. It, it brings up a lot with me that just like, I mean, just like the fact that we have finite resources and stress mm -hmm. takes more resources or at least it gives you less yeah. access to them. I mean, like to, if you have less sleep and you get stressed out, it just exponentially increases how much it, it affects you. And same with mm -hmm. food and all that stuff. It's funny that you mentioned that because that, that's exactly right. And yeah, I, I hope you I hope you take good care of yourself Thank during this you. time. And, and it's difficult. I, I remember it's funny. I was actually hoping uh, Lance would be on tonight's show because um, and actually I didn't even noted to talk about, but I was hoping to talk about that, that, uh, fatigue again. And not mm. to say that you're like what, what you're talking about when I get there, I spiral. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I feel like I, oh, I, family show. Uh, I, I F up about this, which also means I'm a failure at this, which means I'm a failure mm -hmm. at that. And I spiral. And then I just feel like a big old loser. <laughs> and, <laughs> 
and it can take days to weeks to to mm. kind of recharge and get back on my like my attitude game um, yeah. and and again like things like sleep and all that really help and uh yeah, it doesn't mean it's the reality. It's so amazing, like how much our mental attitude and our mental state is our reality, uh, or at least at least guides it yeah. so strongly. You know, two people could be living Absolutely. the exact same life and feel completely fulfilled or completely unfulfilled because they haven't reached that next tier or what have you. So, um, mm -hmm. I definitely um, compare myself to other people, and I definitely, mm -hmm. um, or, or and other float centers as well. All yeah. all this stuff and. Uh, it, it's really silly because I have so much pride in what we do, and uh, yet all, all it takes is a few a few subtle kicks to the ribs and maybe a, a bad <laughs> night's sleep, something like that, and um, and I can spiral. Yeah, and it, yeah, I, and not it to say that you're spiraling, but mm. but that's what comes up for me when you say but that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I say, we all have that default reaction. We all have that thing that we automatically go to, and it's really difficult and it's something that I've worked on for for years and I'm not perfect at but I'm getting better where I realize I'm getting to that point and if I don't take the time to take a break if I don't take the time to go take a nap mm -hmm. if I don't take the time to get a massage or take a float then when I hit those like today was just one of those days it was it was issue after issue after issue and fires to put out fires to put out and I I know that my default reaction would be just to shut down and walk away mm -hmm. from everything, which is the last thing you want to do when you're in the middle of several delicate situations. Mm -hmm. um, and it's tough, but um, you just kind of got to be aware. And, and I think we do talk about awareness a lot as float center owners. You know, being aware is, is something is so, so important to us and something that we preach. Um, but it's just really important to know and to be aware of it in our own lives as well. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure there are people out, out that are listening that are like, oh, that's, I never go through that. I'm, it's not an <laughs> issue for me. And that is awesome. Yeah. Um, but for those of you who struggle with it, just know that you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, we all have, we, we, you know, you're not the only one going through it. And going through yeah. that, just that fatigue and that mm -hmm. overwhelm and yeah, we know it gets yeah. rough and we're in, we're with you in spirit. <laughs> That's <laughs> part of sure. why, like, I think both you and Gloria were talking about like, it's all business all day, all the time. We're <laughs> rocking it. And Lance was like, I, I have hit a wall. I am fatigued. I am down. I am out. Mm -hmm. And I, like, I feel more like Lance, like. Yeah, I, I think about business. When I drive past a, an empty business, I think about what should go there. You know, what would be the best business there? I, I do think about that stuff, but it's not like you guys. And it does tire me out. And I am, or I have experienced that burnout before too. And uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it also just takes me back to when, when I was talking last episode about my personal burnout and how... Uh, you know, people would say, go for a run. You know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing these things to make yourself feel better? And it isn't just an automatic go for a run. You feel better, like just when you're, you know, have a down day. This is something yeah. different that takes a long time to, to kind of recover from. And also to prevent. It takes some yes. effort. It takes some yes. time. Um, yes. When I see myself kind of heading towards that spiral or heading towards that point of just wanting to run and hide under the covers and sit in the <laughs> living room and you know, drink a bottle or two of wine <laughs> or something. Nice, um, nice. I've got to, um, I have to be aware of that because I, I know what's coming and I know that I'm an unpleasant person and a horrible boss and a horrible wife mm -hmm. and a horrible business partner. Mm -hmm. um, so, <laughs> so yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it today. We're oh, right man. on the edge of this, but, but I'm aware of it and 
um, I got a massage this week, and um, it is actually my birthday mm. week, and I, I happen mm-hmm. to know that I have a massage coming again this week. Nice. Um, sometimes even the thought of it just kind of gets you through. But, um, well, but yeah. I, mean, so if I you, love you so okay. much. I love you so much, I and love I love you. being able to see you every week, and I think you are brilliant, <laughs> and I love what you bring to the world. Aww. So that's all I can say. I, I can't fix it, right? Like everybody wants I know. to fix Nobody it. Wants to, yeah, <laughs> nothing can fix. But sometimes, sometimes just knowing you're not alone in it mm. and knowing that, you're not the only one suffering in that. Even if somebody else looks perfect on the outside or their business looks perfect on the outside, more than likely they're going through it through too. Cool. Just know you're not alone. And know that if you are going through that this week, you get a big virtual hug from, from myself <laughs> yeah. and, and Dylan. Yep. <laughs> because we know that this business is tough and that's okay. It's about taking care of you, overcoming, and kicking some butt. If you want to share anything that you're going through right now or something you've gone through, just tweet us at Art of the Float. Even if you're listening to this uh, a year after it airs, feel free to, to share that and share it with share it with the world. It's important to share this stuff. And, and that's something even in, in a Float Collective. You know, it's a very positive group, and it's great. There's so much information that goes on. But it's hard, and I guess just in social media and in just life in general, to share the difficulties that somebody's experiencing, you know, or especially emotional, something kind of difficult to uh, to express and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit with with uh mick as well but um yeah it i think we i think more people go through this than than don't is it would be my guess especially when starting a flow center <laughs> absolutely especially when people start flow centers <laughs> right no right. no Oh, my goodness. Um, let's see here. I want to share a couple things about my week, if that's all right. Yes, um, I want to hear about your week. Look nice. up on my stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, the one I guess we covered like the uh, just that complete exhaustion thing. And, and for, for me, it was just that idea that like no individual can go in there and fix it for you or tell you the right thing to do to fix it for you. It is like a thing over time. And like you said, it's also pre- uh, preventing it too. It's it's this curve of time, you know, kind of like a almost like a bell curve, and you can make it a smaller bell curve or a deeper bell curve. But it, it is that, and it's going to take time. It's not just going to go mm-hmm. right back up to zero, um, you know, because you you do one or two things. Yeah, it's hard hard for people to understand. I think I I was watching uh, this show called Love season two talks a lot about addiction and Al Anon. Uh, which is supporting people with mm. uh, addiction and uh, the, the wrong things you can do where you think you're supporting somebody and, and it's actually can, can kind of twist things a little bit. And I think I experienced a little bit of that from people as well. And I mean, again, like all good intentions, but when you're in that state, it's just hard to process anyway. Yeah. Um, so uh, today in a complete 180 of all of that talk was <laughs> ridiculously cool for a bunch of reasons because um, Sandra, my baby girl, and my mother-in-law all came to the float shop all at different times. Well, actually, my, my baby girl came with Sandra, um, but uh, she didn't drive herself. But we, we all went there to work, uh, but we also were, like, trading Erica, my baby, around throughout the day so we could all do different things. So Sandra's mom was pressure washing. Sandra was pressure washing. And um, I was installing some soundproofing on a door. And it was just just the coolest, funnest day. I felt really proud of the work I did for uh, soundproofing my door, which is the other thing I wanted to talk about, which there's some aftermarket yeah. stuff that I installed. And uh, by the way, it's Trademark Soundproofing is the website I, I got this from, if anybody's interested. And uh, what I did is added these flanges around the edge of the door so when you shut it, it has these rubber gaskets that kind of seal it so it's good for light and soundproofing. And then this other dealie that, uh, you know, you could certainly buy doors with this stock, but 
you know, I'm, I'm doing this, trying to, trying to maintain that 1900s feel of the building that we're in. And so basically it's just this add-on to the door that as you close it, right at the, right at the hinge where the door shuts and closes against the door, it actually pushes yeah. in this little button that then drops the ga- a gasket down against the floor so it light and soundproofs it. So um, huh. pretty pretty cool, something that's required in our infinity door because we it's an open room right you you have an open room how has your your experience been i almost said how's your struggle been but (laughs) how has your experience so in the state of tennessee no oh no right i start everything out like that um yes well we do have issues um because in the the state of tennessee you Mm -hmm. have to have we're not allowed to put any soundproofing on our door Uh. um because what it does is it interferes we have to hold our door three inches from the um, from the door jam, and we have to uh, let it go, and in that three inches, it has to actually completely close and click shut. Uh-huh. Uh, and in anything we've tried so far has present, prevented that from happening, so uh-huh. we've had to take it off. Um, but what you're talking uh-huh. about sounds like it's stuff on the outside of the door, and yes. perhaps may not interfere yep. with that. So I'm, I'm very interested. But we have. Um, put it on well enough, put our, our door on well enough that we do not get any light leaks wow. in the open tank room, cool. but we do have problems with noise. Mm-hmm. And um, that is an issue that we are constantly fighting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and in the next uh, facility, we'll definitely be doing it much differently um, because we know what our, our uh, codes say. Right, right. But, um, we're going to actually talk about that uh, a little bit during our... Um, um, how we're going to solve that issue during our uh, roundtable coming That's up. Right. So That's right. uh, I'm kind of anxious to share that. But we have we are going to uh, be doing it differently and and still fitting in with our codes uh, here in Tennessee. <laughs> this is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> Making them and, happy. And this would work with your system. I can guarantee that this system would work, uh, especially with those automatic closers. It it doesn't take much pressure for this door to shut still. So I'm I'm stoked about that. I'm. And I'm, what was that website again? Uh, trademarks. Tra- uh, let me double check here. Tra- uh, trademarksoundproofing.com. Awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll throw up the link to the exact Perfect. equipment that I, I use there too. And I'll, I'll throw Love up some it. pictures of the door installation as well. The door needs to be painted. Please don't judge too harshly. <laughs> also, uh, the flooring. Is, of course, it's the door that has the ugliest flooring right outside the door because we oh. we had no idea what we were doing when we first started. And we tore up some of the floor. Uh, so the hardwood just looks like complete crap right there. So I'm, I'm really excited to put some high-resolution photos of that flooring right there, <laughs> right where that, <laughs> the automatic door closer <laughs> happens. It's good stuff. Um, but yeah, anyway, really excited about that. Oh, by the way, pretty cheap too. Everything was under a uh, hundred bucks. So a hundred dollars for the, uh, what do you call it? The, the door bottom. And uh-huh. then, and then the part that goes up the sides of the door on the top was under a hundred bucks as well. I think it was, wow. I, I want to say 90 bucks for each one, maybe a little bit less. And this place Perfect. does free shipping. Wow. They should really advertise with us. They do free shipping for anything over <laughs> 75 bucks and good luck spending under $75 on soundproofing equipment. So you'll pretty much always just have uh, free soundproofing there too. So I, uh, there are a few different websites that I shop from, but that's, that's one of the ones I, I like there. And uh, I think I'm just going to do this on all of the, the float room doors, just like make sure everything's completely sealed uh, from, from, from now on. Um, I think our tranquility tank, uh, has light that comes in and so this will just be a great way to permanently fix that and we'll just be good to go so i'm excited very nice Um, and again just really really cool to just be raising a baby girl in this entrepreneurial lifestyle and it's just like no we don't go to a place nine to five and and do something or you can't see your dad between nine and five we're 
Every day is different. And she got wound up and, and it was a little tough. She woke up from two naps away from home. And I think that might have pushed it a little too far. Also, you know, three, he's got me, Sandra, and her grandma, you know, waking up to different faces and, <laughs> and all this stuff. So it was a it was a bit of a push, but at the same time, by the way, sorry to sorry to overshare here. I know it's not the baby podcast, but came came home and uh, baby girl and I were playing and we were doing this call and response of rah, and she'd go rah, and I'd poke my, I'd kind of hide my face behind some some this jungle gym thing and up here, and she'd crack up and go rah, and I'd go rah, and we were just doing this call and response, this this connection that we have never experienced before of like her, and she, she's just Aww. had another brain explosion of of like finding something funny and interacting, and I was just over the moon about it. I That's was going awesome. bananas, so. Ah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Little baby girls That's... growing up. Aww. Good stuff. Very um, cool. I want to bring our guests on. Is there anything else you want to share? Sorry to, to push. No, no. I, I've I've had my pieces. <laughs> I think I don't think anybody needs. I don't think anybody needs me to share anymore. Uh, oh, um, but uh, just part of part of being a, an entrepreneur. Um, mm-hmm, but I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to our guests tonight. We have some pretty. We have some pretty cool guests. Yeah. I'm, I'm Coming stoked on, about so. it. I'm stoked about it. Uh, yeah. First, I want to give a, a shout out to the Float Conference. Uh, the Float Conference is coming up here, and my goodness, uh, as I've said before, it's not just a weekend anymore. It's it's almost a full week of stuff going on, and one of those is uh, one of the exciting things is on Friday. There's a lot of marketing information going on, so all day you can sign up for different programs going on to help you market your business and. If there's something we've learned on this podcast, it's that's what people need and it's what people want. And that's uh, uh, something that the Float Conference is also uh, recognizing as well and is trying to help deliver. So you've got some some of the bigger uh, businesses that are, um, uh, you know, with multiple float centers and, and all of that and uh, who have to, to market for several locations and all, all sharing their insights to marketing here. So that'll be really interesting. And uh, again, that's Friday. Go to floatconference.com to, to check that out. And of course, sign Sign up. Don't wait. You need to sign up for these things ASAP because these all these uh, these cool activities do get get filled up pretty quickly. So get on that. Floatconference.com is where you want to go. All right, let's bring on our guests here, Mick and Beck. Welcome to the show, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Very thanks. Well, thank you. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining us. And I want to hear a lot about uh, the the history of you guys, your your relationship, all of that stuff. It's all very amazing and, and beautiful. And I'm excited for our audience to hear about that. Uh, but uh, I'd love to hear first. Um, you guys have founded Weeded the Weeded Warrior Project. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we take a take a walk back? Yeah. So um, it's sort of started um, initially. Um, in 2015, uh, Beck and I sort of wanted to, up, after having a bit of a rough journey uh, post-deployment um, and finding ways to manage my conditions and sort of ailments, um, once we did find that information, we wanted to try and make it a bit easier for the people or other veterans and their families back here in Australia. Mm-hmm. So we are going to originally just start a website called Weeded Warrior and just put sort of resources online um, and to do that we sort of decided we'd go on a self-funded trip to the United States um, where we met up with a number of different leading professors and researchers as well as actual ex-service or doing similar things over there okay 
Um, and it was while we were over there, we met a group um, called the Weed for Warriors Project, um, and they were running sort of monthly meetings, getting donations from dispensaries and mm. um, now um, medicinal cannabis dispense uh, donations to veterans. Um, and we thought, hey, this this is a good way to get guys out of their house or guys and girls um, out of their houses and interacting with other like-minded veterans and reducing that sort of isolation, which can so often lead mm. to suicide and dark mm-hmm. thoughts. So we thought, rather than just be an online resource, let's start something similar back here. So that's nice. that's kind of what we've done. Mm. Very cool. I love that you got that inspiration and 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 ran with that. That's great. Um, maybe. Maybe it is a good time to step back and hear a little bit about this 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 story, your guys' story. Is that is that okay? Yeah, that, that's fine. Cool, please. Do you want to go? Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> right, well, um, yeah. So uh, I'm an ex um, Australian Army uh, infantry soldier. Uh, I s- joined up in 2008 and then was deployed to Afghanistan in 2010. Um, during my time over there, um, I was involved in a few incidents, um, one of which uh, one of my section mates was shot and killed, um, and in, in a quite a prolonged uh, contact that we were involved mm. in. Um, and subsequently, after that incident, um, at the time, psychologically, I felt pretty good, uh, as, as best you can, like obviously huh. very drained and that sort of thing, fatigued, but... Um, PTSD didn't really big of an issue. I, I originally started um, experiencing involuntary muscular twitches um, that over the period of about a week to two weeks progressively got worse to the point that um, I, I couldn't light a cigarette. I'd spill my water on myself when I'd try to drink, um, carrying my meal tray at the mess, spill all my food. Do you mind so, sharing how, how old you are, by the way? Because you're, you're a young man. This isn't like... Yeah, well, I'm... <laughs> 30 now, and at the time I was 23. Wow. Uh, that that I was deployed at the age of 23, um, and so that was the average age of our contingent over there was actually 23. Uh, yeah, but it's it, you're looking at a rather young sort of workforce, I guess. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so f- for me, experiencing these twitches, like uh, you, you kind of a bit like I guess got all in. Sh- what the hell is this? But at the same point in time, you've been trained for so long that unless it's um, drastically impacting your capability, you just sort of push it to the side and keep doing your job. And so for a while, I sort of just stuff uh, put on a brave face and sort of went through along, did my job. Um, and it wasn't until a few of my mates actually sort of said, look, man, you probably should get this checked out. Um and I went, went and sort of saw the doctor, which we were actually working with some of the U.S. troops at this point in time. So okay. it was a U.S. doctor that I uh, was seeing. Uh-huh. Um, and he, I think he was quite surprised to mm-hmm. see um, the state that I was in. Um, huh. the, I've seen videos of, um, say, like World War II shell shock victims. And it, it was my twitches and shakes were in comparison mm-hmm. to sort of those guys. Um, and so for this doctor, he didn't really know what to do. He just sort of gave me some um, uh, clonazepam, so just like a muscle, trying to muscle relax it and dose me out and May stop I, from pulling. I'm sorry to pause for a second. Why would he not, why would he be surprised by this or not? I, well, I, mean, I think it's a, it, 
uh, a lot of the um, symptoms of stress um, are generally experienced psychologically. So uh-huh. um, for me to, especially when I was presenting to him saying, look, I feel fine. I'm just twitching. Oh, wow. Like, obviously, from, it was... If you actually sat down and thought about it, it was pretty easy to put two and two together while I was involved sure. in the incident. But, I, I mean, for, for them, me saying, look, I feel fine, but I'm just twitching, like, what's going on with me, that they didn't really know where to start, you know? Right. Okay. So um, I, I, I ended up getting sent to get some um, scans and additional testing done just to rule out any, in case it was from an explosion or something like that, some sort of brain... Oh wow, and, and and yeah, that was that was sort of ruled out. Can I ask another question? I, I apologize for <laughs> I keep making you pause. Okay, uh, the idea. So, and and anybody can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but my understanding is if you're in the police force, if you have to even draw your weapon, or maybe it's fire your weapon, you have to see a therapist afterwards. Uh, like there, there's a just because it. It's intense, right? Like it's beyond anything we see in our regular day to day for for most of us civilians. Um, is there anything like that in in your military experience, or what is like the come down from some, experiencing something that that you've experienced like that? Good question. <laughs> yeah, that that is a really good question. So at the at the time um, after the incident, we actually. Um, withdrew from contact and then because of the scenario there was a lot of dust a big dust storm had come through so we couldn't actually um, move uh, do a vehicle move at the time and so um, we sort of sat around for a, quite a few hours um, and that before we were allowed to move back to the uh, patrol base that we were located in uh-huh. and um, once we once we got back to the patrol base we sort of had a debrief with um, some of the higher ranking hmm. um, guys there um, and it was just like, if any of you need to talk to someone, just come and see us and we can organise you to see someone. But um, pretty much, like, uh, aside from that, sort of tidy your gear up, get ready, because we'll be going out tomorrow. So, wow. like, we, we just got back, cleaned our weapons, and, like, the majority of the, our section that had, like, been in this experience, we just sort uh-huh. of were all in shock, you know, didn't yeah. really talk. So, oh, wow. Pilot mode. Yeah. Um, and I guess I guess that's why in your training back here in Australia, and I'm sure that it'd be the same for the guys in the US, that they do push you to the limits of such um, extreme um, lack of energy and, and, and that sort uh-huh. of thing, sleep deprivation and all this, and still make you perform to a standard so that when experiences like this happen, you can then the next day, you, or even at that point in time, you just go into autopilot mode. You don't you don't really think about what's going on. You're just mm. like, yep, yeah, I'm here for a reason, my job, and that'll get yeah. me through. And and, and does that like happens later when you get home? Does cleaning your gun and, and doing those routines actually help you feel more stable? Like getting back into those patterns? Um, it definitely at the time, yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, it, it just helped us. You, you're so used to that just being the thing you do after you've gone and done your job. You just it just sinks you back into going back into the. The, the normal routine of being a soldier. Wow. Sorry, I'm that that that's, that is so intense. Uh, and and um, I, I'm sure this isn't. Sh- sorry, Michael go ahead. Roll again. Say yeah. say that one more time. The the next day, Michael and his um, yeah we, we were back out on out patrol. On patrol. 
That's... With no break at all in between. It was just, just go. I, uh, mm. I mean, I understand there are certain requirements of our military and, and all of that. Just on a human level, I, I have, yeah. that's very difficult for me to process that, um, which, which of course was difficult for you to process. So what, how did that, um, so obviously you were having these physical manifestations and then, um, you got, can you, uh, say what, what they gave you again? Um, so it was clonazepam. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, I believe it's a benzo. benzo. Um, they, they primarily gave it to me in the hope that it would kind of like just reduce the twitches. Mm-hmm. Literally um, within weeks you were uh, relatively it addicted. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't really doing much. And because I'd been restricted from going on um I was pretty much sitting around the, the patrol base. And because I'd been given all these meds, I was just dosing myself on my, on my meds. Oh, wow. So, thankfully... The, the U.S. doctor like noticed that this was that this was what was happening and uh-huh. took me off those medications. Oh wow! Okay. The first probably two three weeks of this happening, but yeah, like there was potential for that to get into mm. a very out of control addiction. You know. Yeah. Mm. I'm just lucky that he was quite a vigilant and good doctor. Yeah. Okay. Um, wow. And, and and so it was from there that they sort of flagged me as someone that needed to be getting returned back home to Australia and. So I, I got returned back and started, like, put on convalescence leave and started, uh, like, the usual conventional psychotherapy, um, psychologist, and doing uh, exposure therapy and cognitive behavioural therapy, and then pharmacology through the psychiatrist. Did you, when you were shipped back, did that feel like a failure to you? Or did you recognise this is what I need? Nah, uh, as... It, so it played a big um, tax on me, um, yeah. like just because the rest of my mates were still back there, um, and so you kind of like, well, I'm letting the guys down, and if totally. you, all your tra- all your training's like you always got to be there for your mates. You got your mates back, and then uh, it was only two or two and a half weeks that I got sent home early. You know, wow. so it was it was kind of like, man, this is a bit of a um, yeah letdown, I guess. Yeah. Right, um, and so for me that. Uh, early on, I did. It, I did. It took a while for me to sort of come to terms with and sort of let go of that being an issue. Okay. At the time on Michael's trip, um, the whole battalion had actually um, suffered quite a few losses, and so for Michael to come home two and a half weeks early, he was terrified. Like if anything had happened to particularly his section, you know, during that time, it. it I have absolutely no idea what Michael would have done to himself, you know, like, mm. because it was, it was such a, it was a really scary time, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, it was one of our bloodiest, like, Australia's yeah. bloodiest deploy, uh, like deployments that yeah. in 2010 was one of the, we lost one, our most troops over 2010. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Um. um you know, I know this is, a, this, is a, this is a float podcast, but I mean, there's just so much to, to go into here. And this is phenomenal and, and just amazing. <laughs> and I uh, thanks so much for sharing. And I, I want to keep digging into this, if that's OK with you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious why. Uh, not why. Sorry. Uh, did. Well, yeah, kind of. why? Sorry, I'll, I'll get there eventually. This is this is a lot. Um, other people weren't shipped home. How were they maintaining and dealing, and how have they done over over time? You know, yeah. and, and maybe we should get to that later. I don't know, but 
Do you want to? It, it's interesting, and mm. and as I've sort of progressed down my journey of alternatives, I've really tried to influence some of these mm. guys. Um, I think because I had more of a physical response to the trauma, whereas most of the, well, all of the other guys had more of a psychological response. Huh. It was a lot easier for them to mask that. Mm. Um, for a lot of my mates, uh, like from my section in particular, um, we all lost our, our 2IC that day. So uh, that we, but we all sort of responded to it in our own very different way. Um, I, I would say all of us have all had uh, quite a lot of difficulties managing or dealing with the like the aftermath of that. Uh-huh. But some of the guys have taken more of a um, using harder or been addicted to harder drugs and that okay. sort of out to um, manage it. Um, some guys have just turned to alcohol. I myself turned to alcohol pretty heavily for a while. Um, yeah, it, we've, we've all managed it in our own ways. Some people have even returned to work and yeah. just have just 100% put themselves into oh, work. Oh, wow. You know, okay. really, you know, just as an addiction as what, you know, drinking alcohol is, you know. Right. So um, there's been, like, just through my mates that I know there's been quite a few of them that have um, had suicidal sort of attempts attempts yeah. so oh, wow. as yeah. well <sighs> yeah so it's it's harsh and then mm. that ripples onto their their friends and families yeah. as well yeah. you know of course well yeah and and that's also a great reason why Beck is here as well like her her story is absolutely just as compelling from my memory of of your guys's speech at the float conference last year <laughs> Um, I, I don't know that I heard a lot about your experience while he was deployed back. What? Yeah. Okay. So Michael and I actually um, weren't in a relationship when Michael was overseas. Oh, okay. Um, literally as Michael came back that our relationship started. Um, uh, but to take you back, we actually did go to primary school together. So we had no other time. We just uh, sort of got back in touch. We were 21, I believe. It was just before um, uh, Michael had just joined the army, and so yes, yeah, yeah. started doing his training. So he actually wasn't even in the same with me, but we were, you know, we became friends. We were keeping in touch with one another, mm-hmm. um, and he subsequently got um, posted to Brisbane, which is where I was from. And oh. um, but then, literally, like a couple of months later, he was like, "Okay, well, I'm training to, you know, I- I've been told that we're deploying to Afghanistan." I was like, well, I'm, I can't get involved with someone who's going uh, to Afghanistan. This is terrifying, you know? Right. Like, it was a really scary time for me as well. So, um, but we kept in touch the whole time. I still saw his family. Um, his mother and I were, we we caught up every Sunday while he was away. Oh, um, wow. And, <laughs> uh, and Michael and I obviously kept in touch when he was overseas. So when he lost his uh, uh, his friend, it was... I before we even I'd even heard the name before they even released the name here in Australia who it was I knew that Michael was involved I actually uh. the minute that I heard on the radio I burst into tears I knew instantly uh. that Michael was involved um, and so yeah when he he came back we just it was just a natural progression of where where we were at with our relationship and um, so uh, I I guess I um, the military life, you know, I I was never really involved with, you know, I was never a military wife. I never, right. I never deployed different places or anything, you know, with him and, and, and moved to different areas. So 
um, I I didn't really understand what what military life was like. Mm. It, and so yeah, Michael just came back from overseas and he had these twitches and um, it was yeah, it was just a, a massive learning curve. I just I had absolutely no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> right. Um, and I had very little support from defence because I wasn't a part of defence. You know, I wasn't you know even really seen as being Michael's partner because we were so new. Um, yeah, and and so what what led to that sense of commitment? I mean, that is. That's something to walk into, you know, in the beginning of a relationship and, and the level of commitment. Talk to me about that. The alcohol, the alcohol was an issue from, hmm. you know, as soon as he came back, he was just drinking enormous amounts. And um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess our there had been a lot of um, background, I guess, to our, to our relationship. And, hmm. um, you know, I... I do you know what? I actually think it was because I knew exactly who Michael was. Yes, he came back a completely different person, wow. but I knew who he was and, yeah. and, and that soul, you know? And uh-huh. um, so when he came back, it wasn't just going, <laughs> you're a, a, a crazy drunk person. Um, you know, it was, there was a lot of a love and commitment to him. I, I, I already had that. Um, so, yes, although Michael didn't have, you know, and, and none of the guys had that opportunity at the time to, you know, just like we were talking before, you know, a, when they lost their friend, he doesn't have that opportunity to deal with it. The next day they're in control. That's because it waits until they get home to their families. And it's their families who help work through that mourning period. And it huh. took a really, really long time to even crack Michael open to even want to attempt to go to, to mourn. It took a couple of years. He still hasn't even gone to see his, his grave still to this day. I mean, it's, it just has not been something that we've even gotten to that. Yeah. And, and that so it's just in, in the moment, it's just about compartmentalizing that and just focusing on, on what you're Absolutely. doing. You put it in the box, you lock it away. And oh. then come back and exposure therapy unlocks that box and, huh. and, 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 and they don't do anything with it. They unlock the box. It's there. The demons come out. The family are left to deal with it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then they, so they become zombies. And again, the families huh. are left to deal with it. You know, and I, I, I'm, I feel like my voice, like <laughs> there is resentment and anger uh-huh. and things that come out when I start talking about this because I, my voice, I feel like um, it just hasn't been acknowledged. You know, with doctors and stuff, I, my voice is not heard. When I say, this is what works for Michael and this doesn't work for Michael, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody in, in the picture, you know? And I feel like when I'm the primary caregiver, <laughs> you know, we kind of should be listened to. We know what we're talking about because we live it. Day in day out, absolutely. Yeah, twenty four seven, mind you, because it's right. you know even when they're asleep. You know, I'm waking up at one and two o'clock in the morning. Even occasionally, still now, with Michael with his night sweats or you know with his nightmares and things like that. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a twenty four seven job. Yeah. Well, wow, <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. That I is... I um, <laughs> my goodness. 
Mick, you were talking about uh, coming back and there being lots of downloading, a lot of therapy, a lot of working with different providers. Um, and yet you guys have found yourself at having to found alternative means. I mean, I don't know how much I want to go into what is there currently, but what maybe, what did you guys find was lacking? I'm obviously back. You've, you've shared some of that, which is very, very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what else is not helping or what, what, what is just, um, is it helpful and it also needs these additional modalities? I mean, talk to me about that, please. From from my experience, and, and I'm, I'm talking from my experience personally as well as uh, uh, quite a few of my mates that I've seen go okay. through the system. Um, and I, I, I think that the, the downfall is that they're too heavy-handed to give medications out, um, which doesn't... It, it doesn't allow you to work on what you've um, oh. experienced like so plenty of times when i was on medications that I would, I would turn it back and say look i really feel like i need to cry right now like i'm really feeling be sad melting down, but yeah. I, I just physically can't I, oh I, wow don't allow me to and so for me that that was purely the medications you mm-hmm. know like how, why else would my body not be allowing itself to cry when i'm like i feel so upset and sad mm-hmm. right now but i can't i just physically can't cry you know, that's not healthy. That's not allowing me to deal with mm-hmm. or process anything. Right. Um, the, 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 the just straight out giving out of medications is one big factor that needs to be addressed, as mm-hmm. well as uh, the psychotherapy. It, it has its roles. Um, I think exposure therapy and that, it's, it's almost re-anchoring you to your um, trauma. trauma. Huh. But... In my experience, because I was, I was, for me, I was saying and feeling mentally all right, but physically I was twitching. I wasn't. It was obvious to anyone who had vision that I wasn't all right. Um, that so for me to work through that, I needed some sort of psychological therapy. And so I think actually, rather than exposure therapy, which I, I did a little bit of with my psychologist personally, I didn't. I, caused me more anxiety and um, stress and uh, that sort of thing than help. Just talking through stuff and being able to um, explore different ways and different perspectives to look at my um, experiences, that, that was the psychological therapy that actually helped me. Um, having, having a psychologist, which I, I actually was lucky, I got a really good psychologist, mm. although the exposure therapy wasn't beneficial a lot of the other things she worked with me um were and and coming to terms with the fact that um a a lot of anxiety is is that um the man is the provider of the house you need to be working and then when you come military training as well if you're not doing something you're being lazy you're letting the team down potentially you're causing someone to be killed you know so all this all this stuff plays on your your mentality and your psyche and you start thinking well I'm sitting at home, I'm on a disability um, payment, I'm not contributing to anything where I've come from a role where what every single thing I did relied, someone's life relied on me, every single thing I did. So now all of a sudden I'm just some no-hoper that's relying on the system to give me payments just to feed my family. Right. You know, it, it, that really plays a big um, on your psychological self as well as the trauma you've experienced. Wow. So... 
yes. being able to work through this with my psychologist and talk about, hey, maybe it's not about being the provider of the family. It's actually looking at um, how you can support your partner and work towards having a good quality of life again. You know, and this is where we really started thinking outside the box. When we started alternative therapies and really started cutting away my psychiatrist or, or the treatments that they were recommending. Yeah. Was there a specific incident or something that brought you to that realization that the traditional therapy wasn't enough? And what was the first thing that you looked into when you realized that you needed to look into some alternative therapies? What what came up on your radar first or what, what yeah. appealed to you first? So the very, uh, I guess the very first thing that came up for me that made me realize that maybe the conventional treatment wasn't really the right treatment for Michael was when I started going along to his psychiatrist's appointment and saying, you know, is Michael being honest with you about drinking, you know, huh. um, I uh, reiterated how much he was drinking, and he said, oh, oh, that's okay, that's about normal for someone who's in the military. And this is, this is coming from the doctor who's also wow. prescribing him his three different, you know, um, psychotropic, psycho- yeah, psychotropic wow. medications. So I was like, wait, <laughs> that's not right. And, and, and to be honest... Three of those medications, they don't take alcohol. Of course, yeah. Right. You know, so it's... it's bizarre that he would even respond like that but sure. to be really honest when Michael first came home um with his first box of prescription pills mm-hmm. I I I lost it I was like not a chance how dare you know this is not the way to go huh. you know as a you know uh background as a I was prescribed Zoloft so and eight months later I was wanting to step in front of a train on my way to work so you know okay. I, I was kind of I had an understanding of what these yes. medications could do to people. Okay. Um, and literally within a couple of months of Michael being on 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 these um, drugs, his alcohol did increase. He certainly wasn't getting off the couch. I was coming home, um, and he was you know passed out on on the couch mm. by seven o'clock at night and falling asleep by eight o'clock and but not getting out of bed until midday one o'clock. You know wow. so. You know, his quality of life uh, was pretty much non-existent. He Mm. would tell me most nights that, you know, he wanted to die. He wished he wasn't here. He wished that it was him. You know, um, you know, I I was just like, this is this is just not right. We just can't. This is I can't continue someone like this because this is taking a major mental and psychological and emotional toll on me. Right. Um, and, and, and what you know, was your... I'd already left my full-time job. I was 24 and quitting my full-time career, you know. Oh, wow. To, to care for this person. And I still mm. didn't know what I was doing, you know. It, yeah, we were both sort of really blind to it all. And, and Michael was still very much in his, you know, ways of, you know, the doctor tells me I do this or rank tells me to go do this, I do mm. it, you know? So, and, and I was really fighting that because, as I said earlier, I wasn't a part of military life. I didn't right. go through any, of that, any of that sort of stuff with Michael. So, um, yeah, the minute that this psychiatrist said, oh, no, it's totally fine that he's drinking this alcohol and... <laughs> you <it."> knew. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is not going to 
happening, you know? Yeah. I, I literally just started Googling, you know, um, I could understand that it wasn't PTSD, you know, it was symptoms. You know, Michael was suffering, you know, multiple symptoms, depression, anxiety, mm. you know, sometimes it would be insomnia, sometimes it would be like, you know, just like just sleeping for hours upon hours upon hours. It was disassociation, it was alexithmia. There were all these symptoms that he was suffering. So I was literally just going online and saying, you know, alternatives to this, alternatives to that. Like, how do I treat this with natural therapy? Um, I guess one was diet that really came up. And I was, well, cannabis was really the thing that Michael brought to me. You know, like, yeah, you sort of brought that to me. And I was very much against the the cannabis idea. Um, Uh I... Yeah, I was completely caught up in, in, in the stereotype of what cannabis was. Is that it, would, it would, you know, kill your brain cells and it would mm. make you stupid and things like that. So it was Michael who really brought that to me. But I was just like, oh, no, this nutrition will be, like, that'll help. Oh, and right. mm-hmm. For a while, I was kind of, like, really, like, not open to the cannabis yeah. thing. He really had to work really hard for that one. But I was watching documentaries on, on uh, not just nutrition, but it's opened up my mind to the idea of, you know, lifestyle changes, I suppose, you know, mm-hmm. so I was watching, um, uh, what is it? Fat, sick and nearly dead, uh, matters, change, all these sort of lifestyle sort of documentaries and nutrition documentaries. And so that helped me understand like, Oh, well maybe this yoga could help. Or maybe, you know, even just going for a walk could help. And, um, which, trust me, was something that I was told as a 16-year-old by, you know, the professionals, oh, just go for a walk. And I was just like, screw you. You don't know what's going to make me happy. Like, walking yeah. couldn't possibly make me, make me feel better, you know. But, you know, we started implementing these things and, lo and behold, we actually started feeling better. And by this stage, I was sort of starting to get onto the cannabis thing. Michael was showing me, um, and obviously, anecdotal research or mm-hmm. you know, stories. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, we were sort of where where we were at with legalization in Australia. We were kind of both a little bit scared to even really be oh. the word cannabis. Oh wow, wow! <laughs> yeah, like time, yeah, yeah, we were really concerned. Um, Can I before before we get into the into marijuana? I want to take a step back. I know you guys didn't hear our, our intro. Uh, we were talking about uh, personal fatigue and work fatigue. And I was talking about how when I had had bottomed out, and by the way, this in no way is this a comparison. This is just how I'm able to kind of empathize in, in some way, you know, bridge emotionally with, with what you guys have gone through. Um, people would tell me to go for a run or to go for a walk. And I just wanted to give them the middle finger. And, you know, maybe it would help a little bit. But also, it would it would only take so much time like, it's not like going for a walk and then I'd be walking on sunshine, you know? So I can't imagine in, in your guys' state, you know, what, what did that actually look like and feel like? Were the differences immediate or, I mean, please. Yeah. Oh. Um, well, it, it kind of it got to a point where um, obviously Beck had been at me for a while that things needed to change. Um, mm. And. I just, you know, typical uh, drunk dude, just kept paying it off and paying it off. But eventually I realised that if I didn't do something, like I was 110 kilos, like I was not healthy, uh, 
I'm not sure. Sorry, I can't convert that to pounds. I'll Google uh, it real quick. <laughs> um, I was quite overweight. Um, and I, 242. I just sort of, yeah. I got to a point where uh, I, I recognized I needed to do something different. And so hmm. it, it sort of, we, we decided that we'd do it after watching Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead. Um, we decided to do a juice detox. Hmm. Um, and it initially, like, we, we thought, well, let's do 10 days where we just juice all our own fresh fruit and vegetables and drink that as well as water throughout the days and just completely, at the time, and I'm not recommending this to people because obviously I, it's not healthy, but I, I stopped my psychi psychiatric medications. I stopped drinking all my alcohol and stopped smoking all cigarettes, um, which In at the, the time, time I was smoking <laughs> a packet of <laughs> drinking about a bottle of spirits a day mm. or a night and um, obviously I was on three different psychiatric medications wow. so wow. It, it was quite of a hell and of our a diet was just sugar yeah. just pretty much oh, wow. and packaged detox yeah, yeah. Um, and wow. the only thing that really kept me able to um, manage those withdrawal symptoms was, was the fact I was using cannabis, cannabis at the time mm. um, and and so this this over this ten day period, um, I went from I lost about what fourteen kilos 14 I think. Fourteen kilos. Wow. In ten days. In, in days. Didn't even know it was possible. Oh, right. Word. And so this th that was a pretty drastic change. Um, and seeing that happen, like we started seeing an exercise physiologist three mm. times a day. Three times a week. Uh, sorry, three times a week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, <laughs> We'd deliberately book the appointments in the morning, so it would get me out of the house first. Nice, thing. yeah, great. Um, and, and then I'd be a bit more motivated to at least do a few things throughout the day rather than sleeping in until 12. And let me right. just say, those few things, like, I mean, this is early. Those few things were literally him going and watering the herbs out the front in the garden. Sure. If he had done that and ticked that off his list for the day, that... And, that was him doing something yeah. that, you know, we or feeding the chickens, or feeding the chickens. and so we yeah. actually, like, we encouraged that we, you know, uh, mm -hmm. we celebrated that almost, you know, and, and made that, you know, yes, we've, we've achieved something like, you know, mix the chiefs. Good day. And Mick, would you feel proud or would you still feel like, God, I'm getting celebrated for feeding the chickens. Like, come on. Like, it wasn't, I guess, I guess it wasn't over the top celebration, no. I guess, but uh -huh. what, it was just more like recognition. Yeah, yeah. That like at least today I've done something, yeah. and cool. it, it took me a while. Don't get me wrong, because there were a lot of my mates at this point in time. Because the guys who came back, who I came back, because um, there's as I said was psychological. A lot of them were just still braving it out there. Mm. And when you're in that environment and you can sort of put on a bit of a mask, you're supported by some of the other guys there because they know what's you can sort of make it, right? Mm. But when you go no. into a civilian workplace in that sort of headspace, you don't last right. long at all. So a lot of my mates were like, man, you just need to go get a job. You need <laughs> to go find something to do. Right. I, I, don't get me wrong. I tried a few civilian jobs. I tried huh. applying for a few as well. A lot of them didn't, straight off the bat, didn't want to hire me because I, I had psychological issues. But then the few that did hire me or, or I got through the interview process... Um, Obviously, I didn't fit in. I'd have a great person. I eventually ended up getting fired, you know. So, it, and that's another massive hit to the ego, um, especially when you're not in a place to sustain anything. 
Um, so for me, just having that recognition of, hey, today, as long as I wake up, go to my appointment at 8 o'clock and water the plants and feed the chooks, that's a good day, you know. Yeah. Better than the days where I wouldn't be out of bed before 12, 1 o'clock. And then when start washing it down with alcohol mm-hmm. and, and be written off by sort of five in the afternoon, yeah. passed out by seven or eight and in, in bed, you know. Like that wasn't any... Or any, having a meltdown. Or, yeah, or having oh, wow. a meltdown, wishing, wishing that I'd, I'd died or mm. wanting to kill someone. That, that's no sort of quality of life. Whereas at least doing these things um, and, and recognising that they were things that I was achieving, it, it allowed me to like start accepting again. And over time, um, I was able to start incorporating a few more things. So it'd be like, go to my exercise, water the plants, feed the chooks and take the dog. Mm. And it, 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 over time, it slowly build up more and more. So now we, we got to the point, or eventually we got to the point where we we're like, hey, let's start a, a website and start running Weeded Warrior, you know. And I, I think for me, a, a big thing that like I, I, within the ex-service community, I volunteer and help out a lot. I think there's a big misconception that even though I'm at where I'm at now, sometimes certain people think, oh, well, he, he's, he's doing really well. He must have gotten over it or managed to fix his problems. Well, uh-huh. I, I still have good and bad days, you know. It's just I've learned um, tools, tech, tools and, and, and techniques, mm. different ways to view things so that I have more good days than bad days. <laughs> and that allows me to be more productive. But it, 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 I, I certainly don't want to give across that it, it's like, Cured, yeah, cured right. any, uh, yeah. and that's a big conversation in the ex-service community here, and I'm sure it probably would over there as well. As this t- conversation of curing PTSD, I don't, I don't think that's such a thing. It's just learning to manage your yourself and and have the best quality of life that you can after your experience. That that yeah. resonates so well with me. I, I, I what comes up for me is is childhood traumas. It's not like you're ever able to. It's just. A light switch is flipped ever it's about living with with those those experiences that that resonates with me and my understanding may i ask um about the so you, you were physically doing things during this time and and uh, gaining ground on that may i ask about the emotional component of of being in a relationship and and maybe back maybe it's maybe this is directed at you um but like how what was your fulfillment level and like being able to share back and forth and was that awakening as well of like well please oh i mean this whole journey for me has been a roller coaster just for my mental health really I yes mean, yes um uh gosh where to even start um there has been resentment there has been an mm. enormous of anger and frustration and uh, towards so many people including michael you mm-hmm. know um, and our uh, our house is riddled with holes from both of us having punched them because <laughs> of anger and things yeah. like that from chairs across the room you know i the, it, it, it takes a toll on the relationship. It really does. It's mm-hmm. uh, uh, just not only dealing with, with the uh, constant emotion that's sort of just there. And it's almost like you have a fog and you, and, and you can't get out of that emotional fog, you know. Uh-huh. And, and when you're both sort of stuck in that um, mm-hmm. and the 24-7, um, it's... It, is incredibly hard to get out of out of that fog and to sort of find your way through um and uh 
yeah, there have been many times when, you know, I, I guess we both sort of thought the relationship wouldn't have, wouldn't have lasted. Um, but it, it, I don't know, it just comes back to, I, as I said earlier, me knowing wholeheartedly who Michael was to start with. Yeah. And I think him also being able to who I truly was at, at my core being, because I, I wasn't acting um, or, or displaying all the time, um, you know, the, the things that I wanted to as a, care, as a caregiver, as a partner and as a caregiver, yeah. you know, because sometimes, um, you know, we were also, we, as, as a veteran, you know, Michael's on, you know, his you know, very small pay, financially struggling, and as me as a carer, I mean, I was getting $120 a fortnight, you know, to care Michael full time. You know, that doesn't really, even make sense. Right? I mean, it's. I mean, I went from working full time and essentially being single until you know Michael got back to then right. almost like without me even knowing, I was thrown into being a caregiver. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so throughout that, that whole time, um, I, I guess I I was trying to balance like, am I a partner? Am I a caregiver? Or, or what am I like? Oh, you know, interesting. Yeah, I guess for quite a few years, I was sort of in that balance of, you know, know, because Michael wasn't always able to be a partner either, you know? um, I guess, especially early on, um, like a big part of doing some of the things that soldiers have to do, you you disconnect from your emotions, you know? So uh, for, for a for a long while, even just for me to be able to relate to Beck or express how I was feeling, especially when you compound that with medications and alcohol, it was very hard for me to relate to Beck and obviously for me to be there emotionally as a partner. Uh, So I I can definitely sort of see that early on. It it wasn't easy and I I guess that plays a bit, puts a fair bit of tension on the relationship. Yeah, because I really were too many people for me to talk to like and I, I, there's a lot of talk about how you know um you feel like you're the only one going through it and i certainly felt that way yeah you know um i every time i'd say i need help you know at the time there really weren't that many support groups for 24 year olds you know who were partners of veterans who were instantly becoming their carer oh yeah the groups that were out there were women in their 60s and 70s yes. fought in Vietnam and Korea, wow. you know, um, and they were knitting, literally knitting blankets to send to people. I was like, this is, uh, where is the support for, for younger people, you know? And so I, I, I did. I felt like I was really alone and, and that resentment builds mm. towards the partner, even though, mm. like, Michael had no control over that. But, you know, when times when I wanted to talk to him or express to him how I felt, you know, I, I, they were I was essentially getting a brick wall back for quite a long time mm. because he wasn't even able to express or show or, you know, hear or listen, you know. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Thanks for being so open. This is, this yeah. is very intense and it's amazing. And thanks. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> I did. We'll, we'll get there at some point. But first, let's talk about weed. Uh, so you <laughs> you had mentioned that Michael wanted was was um, pr- self promoting or wanting wanting that to be part of part of his I don't know if recovery is the right word, but part of his process. Why? How had that entered into the arena at all? Like, why was that? Especially uh, with the legality. Yeah. So in in Australia at the time, the, it, like even the medicinal topic was barely even mentioned. Mm. So at, back, the medicinal cannabis and the talk of medicinal cannabis in Australia has only really been since what about 2014, 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So so back in 2011, this this was um, end of 2011, started two, and um. Bit, because I'd used cannabis prior to my military um, service, um, I, I I knew that all this stigma around it being mm. this herb and all this sort of stuff wasn't <laughs> true, you know. Um, and so for me, when when I got back, uh, I don't know, um, back in my uh, like before joining the military, um, I, I actually there was a period of time where I cannabis as opposed to drinking. So. Mm-hmm. I'd come back from overseas, I, I sort of was thinking about things. Yeah, I was drinking a lot, but I was like, hey, maybe I wouldn't mind smoking a little bit as well. I remember that used to me out. I'm a bit of an aggro at the moment. Maybe that would help me out. And so I think at first my my initial use of it, which was probably at first flew a little bit from Beck even because of her criticism mm. of it, mm. Um, mm. it was more just another vice. I didn't really view it myself as medicinal use. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until I actually started, because of my interest in it and because of Beck's um, complete uh, disregard for it, I started at the United States and I found a couple of stories from um, Iraq veterans who their fathers were Vietnam veterans and their Viet- their fathers had, when they'd come back and were having troubles from Iraq, their fathers had said to them, hey, here, smoke a bit of pot. Me and my buddies found it useful once we got back from Vietnam. And so, so, like, the stories that I was reading, they were, they were aligning what I was actually experiencing myself. Uh-huh. Like, it, it just helped calm me down. It made, my, made all my usual triggers a lot less harsh, um, allowed me to get to sleep at night, as well as mitigated oh, wow. some pain that I was experiencing, you know. So all these, all these sort of things that these guys were saying in these stories... Uh, I was experiencing, and yet I, up until then, hadn't even really viewed it as medicinal use. I was just like, yeah, this is smoking weed. It's just like drinking alcohol for me, right. you know. Um, and it wasn't until I actually started looking at these, then real, I, I really got interested in the actual um, almost chemistry and science behind cannabis huh. as a plant and really started delving um, myself into that area. And that's when I started to recognize that this is – far more than just recreational smoke and pot mm. you know this is this has actually got a lot of potential um to ha- not just help me but help a lot of other veterans as well what did you learn during that research when maybe one or two of the biggest takeaways that you got from that um probably the, learning about the endocannabinoid system that's the whole range of uh, receptors that we have throughout our body as well as the fact that we actually produce um, in our own endocannabinoids, internal cannabinoids that um, the compounds of cannabis actually mimic. Um, that was one really big takeaway. And then also, I, I, I found a, a lot of interest in the science around cannabinoids and terpenes themselves, how different strains of cannabis um, can play different roles. And so, especially for mm-hmm. veterans, maybe have, or 
have uh, children and families so they can't just be bombed out on something really heavy. Yes. They, can, they can balance that out using different So that was something else that I really thought, well, this is a really legitimate medication. It's not just getting high. There's, there's ways that you can tighten your doses and you can use it to really um, manage your symptoms of your condition. Got it. Can, um, can you tell me a little bit about the, uh, can, I'm going to totally botch this. Uh, cannabinoids? Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about what that, what that is and why the body produces it naturally and what's happening when we're smoking it or in, imbibing it? Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't say by any means that I'm an expert on the topic. <laughs> sure, but, sure. So the cannabinoids are compounds in, in the, that are produced in the cannabis plant, in, primarily in the resin of the cannabis plant. Okay. And I think there's around 80 or so, maybe 100 sort of cannabinoids. And then there's around 200-odd terpenes, which are um, similar sort of compounds. They actually give the scent to the cannabis plant. Um, so depending on what levels of which ones are in the cannabis plant, it will depend on the smell of it. But they all are found in other things, um, other plants and that in uh, nature as well. So the, one of the terpenes is lemonine. Obviously, lemonine, it's found in other citrus um, fruits, um, sure. linalool, which is found in, um, lavender. Um, so there's, there's different, um, aromas that are, are part of the synergistic compounds in cannabis. Um, and depending on the strain of that cannabis and where it's grown and these sort of things, you're going to get different levels of these compounds. Um, and it, that, that will obviously vary the effect of that, that strain. Sure. So, um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on what the research is saying as to what are the best compounds for what. Oh, sure. um, I, kn- I know that there is some research looking to be started around that, in particularly for veterans with PTSD. Mm. Um, but I, all I know myself, I personally find that um, strains that are a lot more of a um, body effect, so more of the typical indica strains of cannabis. Um, are what I find the most effective for not just my psychological conditions because it reduces the um, hypervigilance and anxiety, but oh, also interesting as well. Okay. Um, but the thing with cannabis is everyone's individual, so and 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 what what they require is is very individual. So I've met with veterans, particularly in the United States, where they have access to a, a lot different oh. variety than what we've got here. Uh-huh. And some of the stuff that they're using, I've tr- sat down, smoked with them, and it's way too intense for me. Right, you know. So it, yeah. it's very individual. Um, it's very Which individual. makes sense because your your um, symptoms were so different than other people in your troop. Like our, as humans, we're just so complex, and there's so much variety and differences between us. That only makes sense to me that there would have to be uh, a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, that there'd be a lot of variety. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, did you find that it was his research that was, was that the kind of the gateway for you or, or was he adjusting his own, uh, medication if you, if that term is okay, uh, adjusting his own medication, you found a difference there and that was the breakthrough for you. No, it was the fact that Michael was bringing to me, uh, well, yeah. originally it was the anecdotal stuff. It was the stories from mm. these Iraq veterans and these Vietnam veterans that, that I was like, oh, medicine this could work this huh. this could be you know 
this could be seen as medicine. And I mean, that pretty much instantly changed me that just, you know, um, same with nutrition, nutrition being like medicine, like seen as, medicine. Uh, you know, yeah. to make my body work because it tastes good. You know, like I, I, once I started reprogramming my brain as to how I viewed something, um, that instantly changed my mind. And if it was going to be medicine, then I was all for it. You know? Nice, nice. Um, yeah, and I mean that was kind of exper- To be honest, that was that was a massive um, uh, change for me. Um, I don't particularly like like in the past. I haven't always liked change and trying new things. <laughs> has been really scary for me mm. and so like literally 25 or something I, I was when I first started first use cannabis I hadn't even smoked a cigarette by this stage you know like I was totally I mean <laughs> yeah totally innocent great. drug use you know? I was never really a big fan of alcohol you know um now I I mean basically our entire relationship with Michael I've fairly drunk so um and i haven't drunk in like five or six years i just i don't mm. drink now, you know mm-hmm. um so yeah when he brought me this i guess when he helped change the idea that it could be medicine that's what changed yeah changed my mind and and do you know what i instantly saw the difference and when i started using it myself i instantly noticed a change in myself wow. which again helped me um, to view, to view different, yeah, to view not only cannabis differently, also everything else that I came across, including floating. You know, because I I certainly know that in the past, um, before my use, I would have looked at floating and gone, hell no, you are <laughs> in closed dark space like that. I don't even like being in elevators. I'm not getting into that. Oh, you that know? is our banner on the float shop. That is like <laughs> such a great shout out to floater. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. So, yeah, I, I, um, I, I definitely felt like when I first saw floating and, and this idea of it, I, I actually jumped at it. I was like, yes, that makes sense to me. Let's, let's give it a go. Huh. You know, that, truly, I, I 100% attribute that to cannabis helping me oh, change wow. the way that I viewed things. It made me more wow. things. Broader perspective. Yeah. Can, can I, uh, I know, and we just, just bridged to floating. Very well done, by the way. Nice segue there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the finding what's right for you. So, so my experience with marijuana has been like, I, it makes me sleepy. My brain shuts down. I get a little paranoid or, or self-conscious and then I, and I go to sleep. And I, and a lot of people told me, I just, I'm not smoking the right herb. Uh, so how does one, actually find the right thing for them are there forums is there a way to educate yourself on what's in these plants and what's going to be right for you or is it a matter of experimentation or of course maybe maybe like a, a cross between the two okay i think the answer is different for the u.s compared to australia yeah, so in in the united states you guys even if you live in a state that isn't uh supportive of it you being able to at least travel not too far to be able to um get somewhere where people there's a dispensary or something like that um and that for me you like even just coming over to the united states we've connected with quite a few different veterans um obviously not everyone's in the veteran community but can just connecting and networking with the people in the cannabis community um and finding out what they find beneficial gives mm-hmm. gives me some sort of guidance at least Got it. Um, okay and as well as 
the internet, obviously, as long as you're looking at credible information, can be a wealth sure. wealth of information. You know, mm, um, and I mean, there's a lot of forums now where, like, yes, doctors will probably say it's anecdotal, but I kind of give people a benefit out when they say something works. So. Sure. I find a lot of open forums where people can have conversation and say what they're finding beneficial, what they're not finding beneficial. That's a really good place to get this sort of information. And it may not be exactly what you can at least give you a place, a starting place um, to to go from. And then as I say, like over in the United States, just going into dispensary, we've gone to some of the recreational states and just going into dispensaries, seeing what's around, Speaking to the people behind the counter, just get that. That just helps you have a better understanding of what sort of is available. The fact cool. that there's Great. variety there is is beneficial. Whereas here, I mean, you pretty much get what you can get <laughs> right. unless you are specifically growing yourself. And even then, you know, I guess you'd sort of need a, a website like Leafly or something to go through mm-hmm. and try and get an understanding as to what it is that you're looking for to even know what to get because. Sure. Yeah, but that's the only way that you can really get the right medicine for yourself here is if you're looking after yourself or if you've got someone who can. Yeah. You know, otherwise you're literally just getting whatever. Whatever. Right, yeah. It's not great. It's mouldy. It's, you know, at times it's yeah. not grown it's, right. It's, 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 it, well, there's varying levels yeah. of quality. That's the hardest part. Yeah. You know, if you go to the black market, there's always going to be people that are doing it for the wrong reasons and there's uh-huh. going to be people doing it for the right reasons. And you just have to take what you're given. Yeah. Um, but I, like something else, another big part of it, of knowing what's going to work for you is all the different ways to utilize cannabis. Oh, it's yeah. not just about smoking. I personally <laughs> find smoking's the best way for me to get the level of medication I need. But uh, I mean, and, and that's where through running our, we run monthly meetings back here with Weed and Warrior and um, give people. Um, exposure to these different ways they can use it. And vaporizing is a way that uh, some of find smoking and edibles can be a little bit too intense. Um, they can vaporize and use it at, say, lower temperatures, and they find that it, it's not so um, heavy and as harsh on them. Sure. Um, so just trying other um, modalities of using cannabis can also change that, just slightly change the effects that you're going to get from that. Mm-hmm. And it might be more. Someone might be more suited to edibles, whereas someone else might be more suited to vaporize. It just depends on what degree you find that works best. Mm. And may I ask how? Um, so you're dealing with a substance that can, just like alcohol, uh, or maybe actually not just like alcohol. Alcohol it can be a very slippery slope, and it, it can be very dangerous to go down the path of alcohol addiction. How do you maintain a balance of making sure that you're taking care of yourself as opposed to? I'm just checking out here for, you know, a week at a time at, at some point, right? I think, I think um, personal accountability needs to come into things. Um, and, like, as I'm sure you're aware, people can abuse or um, be addicted to many things, whether it be sugar, right. pornography, you know, like shopping. it can be shopping. There, there can be ridiculous sort of addictions out there. And right. I mean, the, the addictive properties of cannabis, they've, they've looked into it. It's, it's less than coffee. So, I mean, if you're someone that drinks huh. daily coffee and, and that addiction, then the, the uh, addictive properties of cannabis are, are no worse than that. Um, Interesting. What, what can actually come into play, though, is, is the habitual sort of behaviors that are associated with cannabis. So sitting oh. down and rolling up a joint 
people can get like habitually addicted to a certain ritual that they do uh-huh. that can make um, managing um, giving up that give, giving a bit harder. But for, for me personally, the way I look at it is at the age of 24, especially for, for my situation anyway, the age of 24, I was prescribed um, at least three different psychiatric medications. And I was told by a numerous different psychiatrists I'd be on these medications for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. So is fair enough that's not what's deemed an addiction but is that not being it technically addicted to medications that have a list of side effects that are like as long as my arm you know <laughs> failure suicidal ideation homicidal ideation weight gain sexual dysfunction the list goes on you know as opposed to cannabis that yeah there may be some people that get psychotic um, association with certain cannabinoids in cannabis, but I, I know because I've ex- done it many times, I don't. So that's yeah. really the only risk, aside from Periodental getting, disease get, yeah, getting a, a bit sleepy and... And dry want, mouth. Dr- yeah, it can, it can you know, cause so gum disease. The, the, for huh. me, comparisons, as long as, <laughs> as long as there's a bit of personal accountability that you're not just sitting on the couch all day, every day, right. stoned off your head watching The Simpsons, you know, like, as long as you're still <laughs> a productive member of society... For me, yes. I, I I don't see that as being a problem, and that that just comes down to the individual. As uh, mm-hmm. in saying that, okay. I, I don't want I I also don't want for my cohort anyway, like the mental illness um, veteran contingent. I think it's also important to recognise that sometimes, as part of our healing, sitting on the couch and watching some TV mm. can actually be really beneficial. So mm. I think there's an that. It's, it's important to note that as much as I say personal accountability, don't just sit around and bludge, for people that have been, like, especially adrenal, these things that we have been exposed to through our service, maybe sitting down on the couch, having a bit of a smoke and chilling out for a day or two could be actually what we need. Sure, sure. So it's all about balance, you know. You take, I, I personally, that every now and then when it comes to the anniversary of my mate being killed, I might take two or three days out where I just chill out. I will just sit down on the couch and watch movies or something and mm-hmm. just take it easy um, it's about recognizing all right I've, I've had a few days to sort of mourn and take my time mm-hmm. and not be hard on myself now it's now it's time to sort of start being productive again sure the degree that productive um is uh, is up to the individual you know how much do you attribute your recovery towards the decision to recover as opposed to uh the the other the modalities and where's the the mix. Oh, that'd be hard. I'd att- I'd attribute a lot of it to mm. like probably. I guess the motivation to want to help yourself is almost a hundred percent necessary, that, isn't it? it? Because yeah. ir- irrespective of what you try and do, if you're not going there with the intention of trying to get something out of it, then you more than likely you won't. Yeah. So, um, like I, I as well as. Um, all these other modalities and things that I do. I've, I've also been a part of sort of peer-to-peer rehabilitation programs and I, I've attended them and then I've also come along up, uh, years after years as a mentor to help hmm. mentor-wise. And one of the biggest things, aside from the person having a good support network at home, one of the biggest things that is an indicator of whether the person will get better or not is their desire to actually want to get better. Mm-hmm. If you want to put in, then... You, you, you're gonna at least get something out of it, you know. And that really goes, you know, um, 
you, you know, all, all the modalities that we use. If, if you don't believe that cannabis is going to help you, if you don't flotation is going to help you, if you don't believe that eating well or doing yoga or exercising or whatever mm-hmm. is actually going to help you, it will not help you. Huh. It will why not you, get why better. Why are you doing it? Yeah. yeah. You, you won't get any benefit from it. So maybe we should get back. For psych- I guess the psychotropic medications too. Oh, interesting, right. They are not going to work. I guess they're not going to work, mm-hmm. you know. But then you also have to take into consideration how much they actually will work, you know, physiologically within ourselves. Right. So it's very complicated. Yeah. I think um, in, in saying that, obviously, as you start incorporating things and, and finding benefit in things, that um, is obviously going to help you along the journey, yes. you know, and it's yeah. more encouragement that, hey, I, I'm being open to this and this is helping me out, so maybe I'll be open to something else. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like a... Um, gradual process onions really yeah. peeling, peeling back the layers, layers. <laughs> and lots of tears yeah yeah <laughs> uh you had mentioned anecdotal like a lot of your education on on marijuana was was the, the anecdotal stuff and i gotta say in the float industry that's what we've got like there's not a ton of research out there so so much of what we uh, the benefits that we we claim are are um anecdotal and and we we hear it across across the country and across the world and so how did you discover it was it also on google and uh, uh where facebook and it was because okay. of joe rogan of course it was oh joe nice rogan. yes um, yep and Me yeah just, it was a post that was that he put up and i remember seeing this photo of, i mean a, a, a beautiful pod with you know some lady laying in it and i was just like wow that looks so fascinating huh. um and i remember just like jamming my ipad in front of michael's face it's like what <laughs> this is going to be amazing we need to like look more into this and huh. you know straight away <laughs> nah that's that's crazy you know oh and- so a little reverse of roles here with marijuana and floating <laughs> nice <laughs> at the time like we, we were financially uh oh yeah not in a good space yeah and so sure trying to sell the idea of paying someone to lay in a bathtub full of stuff <laughs> with a lid over the top. I was a bit like, man, can I like, do that in my own house? Like, yeah, yeah. Go down at the uh, health food store and put some of that in my bath, you know? Yeah. So for me, it was, it was a hard sell. Yeah, it was. It was. Six months later of oh, like, really? me literally like, you know, because again, I, I mean – Joe Rogan would still put something up about floating or oh, yeah. find, like some, like, I don't know, some of my other, you know, natural pages that I followed would share an article on this new float fad or whatever. And things yeah. that, you know, you know, the universe just starts throwing you things and you kind of can't just keep dismissing them. So that kept happening and I kept, you know, suggesting to Michael. And <laughs> then just one day I you know, at the same time here, I've been suggesting to Michael that we go try something, but I actually haven't looked to see if there's any in Brisbane, you know? Oh, and, funny. And, yeah. yeah, I know, totally crazy. I, I think it was because I just thought it was all America. It would, it would only be in America. Uh-huh. I don't know. It was weird. Uh-huh. But, um, and, yes, yeah, so I looked, and there was one, and it was an hour away. And so I just called him up, and I, I was really excited. I was just like... <laughs> have you ever had anyone with PTSD like come in? And he was like, actually, no. In my 30 years of owning a float tank, I've... What? 
someone with PTSD. I've oh never, my God. as far as wow. I can even think I've ever had a veteran come in. And I was like, hold on, <laughs> reading everything, like just this feeling that I have, it's like, it was more of an, like truly, it was a feeling that I had that this was going to be miraculous and, pro- mm. and you know, um, and he was like, bring them down. Let's, let's throw them <laughs> in and let's see. And I was like, can't afford this this is way too expensive for us you know mm-hmm. I, I need to save for this mm-hmm. um and you know straight away he was just like no we'll we'll sort something out let's let's nice. do something so um you know without his support it wouldn't have happened and so cool as soon as he met me he was just like well we need to get you in a tank too you know he could instantly recognize <laughs> there was a lot of crazy going on upstairs for me too so um you know yeah he really looked after both of us yeah. and us on the path to um, a lot more healing, really. Um, and, um, yeah. Is great. the float center still open? He is not still open. Oh, um, no. Okay. He, he, he did... He retired he, up yeah, into a nice country yeah. town with his wife, so they're enjoying they're enjoying themselves yeah. now. Excellent. Excellent. So, well, but sh- in the meantime, I mean, he's closed, but um, multiple others have, have popped sure. up around yeah, Australia is popping. It's it's pretty cool. It's very exciting. Uh, and and what were your experiences like? I mean, was it won and sold, or did you uh, see the potential, or what? I, the, I was the first time we went. He, um, John recommend the guy who owned the center recommended because he, he hadn't had veterans in before. He wasn't sure mm-hmm. whether I'd sort of have flashbacks yes. or go down. He it was reckon- an experiment for him too. Yeah, he, he recommended that um, Ben mm-hmm. not float that one and just be sort of vicinity so that if I sort of started screaming or having some sort of um, traumatic response in the tank, she was quite wise to come say, hey, it's all right, you know. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I actually, the first time I went floated, I went in myself. And I sat Um, outside his door. Coincidentally, cannabis was used prior to going to the float centre. And just a point of note, I think there's only been a handful of times that I've floated without using cannabis. Okay. But, um, yeah, so I, I actually, my first float experience, um, I'm not sure whether you're aware, but a lot of veterans, a big um, thing is insomnia or a lack of sleep, or even if you do get sleep, it's not the right kind of sleep. Sure. Extremely fatigued. So my first float experience, I believe I just slept the majority of it and then woke up at the end and went, wow, man, that was like the best sleep I've ever had, you know. I'm so pretty sure it took you a couple yeah. times for him, well, with playing, music playing to get him out. To get, yeah. me, to get me to wake Oh, up. is that right? <laughs> can, can I wow. share something anecdotal? Um, yeah. I, I don't know that I've ever shared this on the podcast before, but we had a client who witnessed a stabbing right before the float that he, he came in for. Um, he got into a car accident right before uh, coming in because obviously he had just experienced some trauma and he was, he, he, uh, he was, he was out of it. He didn't, tell us this and he went so deep into his float i ended up poking him with a broom handle to to get him to wake him up from his float that's not our procedures at the float shop <laughs> 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 this, this was a was a bit of a rarity and while we were pretty pretty new but um i just realized he, he had experienced trauma and his brain was doing some serious recovery work in that float tank and i just anytime somebody has um 
I, I guess I use the word trauma, has experienced trauma, they tend to go deep. I think people in the float industry, we call them sinkers when you can't wake them up with the music or it's very difficult to. Uh, and it sounds like you were a, a sinker. Is that right? <laughs> does, does that sound parallel to you at all? Yeah, yeah very much. Like, And for, for a lot of my first floats, I didn't remember anything. Um, I didn't like... Yeah, I'd, I'd just wake up at the end and, and it felt I just felt refreshed. Mm. Which like, is a, like a million bucks, right? Is that just yeah. priceless? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so for me, that's what, that's what sold me. Yeah. I just was like, yep, wow. sleep. And now it's just like, this is catching up on all the sleep I'm yeah. missing out on, you know? Yeah. So I was sold pretty much for this float. But then um, what I've noticed progressively, because what that was back at the start of 2014. Yeah. Progressively, I've noticed that I, I I do actually remember, or not that I remember, but I, I'm more um, present while I'm floating as such. So I don't mm-hmm. believe I'm actually sleeping through them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, the point that I've actually, I think it was the end of last year, I actually, it was a quite a surreal experience. I kind of was what I guess Sykes would deem a flashback, but I was re-going back through exactly what happened overseas on the day that my mate got killed, but it was not in a traumatic uh, perspective, I guess, is how to describe it. Like, I I didn't feel increased heart rate or anxious, upset, like what I normally would go and do an exposure therapy, something like that. It it felt real as though I was there, but almost as though I was like stepped back from it. Um, just watching over what was happening, but not feeling the intensity of the situation. Um, and I'm not sure whether that was just my subconscious and conscious sort of realigning and processing that part of my experience in huh. Afghanistan. And almost, I, I guess I viewed it as like a set of CDs all in a case and they're all sort of jam- jammed in some crooked and some out and that was my mind just re-slotting them back in neatly in order yes. I, don't, I don't know and I've, I've spoken to Justin Feinstein about it um, it's something that he obviously through his research is very interested in yes. um, for me it was it was a really surreal experience but um, I guess I've just viewed it as it's, it's me slowly over the years getting to a point where I can process what happened to me in a more positive way. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, And, and, uh, how, how, how has your experience been? I mean, my experience, um, I was terrified. And going literally into the, you know, like, you know, my heart was, you know, felt like it was popping out of my chest. I was laying down. I was still like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? I was terrified. All I could hear once I was in the tank was my heartbeat. And I, I almost felt like I wasn't breathing. And then I was like, oh, don't breathe, hmm. breathe, breathe. You know, and I, I started saying mantras to myself um, or hmm. affirmations. Mm-hmm. Um, you are okay. Be okay. Literally things like that. Um, and when I... By the time I hopped out, you know, I felt a lot calmer. But it, it's interesting because it's almost like when I, when I hopped out, it was kind of like I came out going, oh, yeah, I really loved it. 
but the only reason why I really loved it was because I knew it was going to be good for me. Like I knew huh. that it was good. I knew that, <laughs> but I just couldn't quite see them or you know get to that yet. I was still yeah. quite. That's very interesting. That I was just like, oh no, I know what I'm doing now. I'm good. And that's when I came out. I was like, yep, I love this. And it was far <laughs> more genuine than the first time. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. You know, right. Time, I was like, yes, yes, I, I, I do. This is this is amazing. And and it has been profound for me ever hmm. since. And and what what does that look like? Your the regular regularity of floating. How frequently you visit and I know of course distance makes a difference but how um, beyond the first experiences that might be powerful how has that played out throughout the years yeah so um, the John sort of recommended that through his experience with floating he he recommended that to get the most out of your first um, floating that you should do three in succession what was it in the first week Week, I think he, he was saying for particularly for, for us, us yeah hmm. He actually did, I think it was like a Monday, Wednesday and Friday float. Nice. Um, and then after that, we continued on doing two, twice, twice weekly. Wow. Um, and we did that probably about six months until oh, wow. to a point where um, John also was reconditioning old tanks. And so he said, look, I've got this old tank. It's older than what we are. Back in the eight, early 80s, it was built. <laughs> and um, he said, I'll... I, if you want it, I can do you a good price for it. And so we ended up getting that and putting it in at home. No so way. We can now float as long as we want, which is really good for me because I actually found that, as, as I was saying, or you described the people as sinkers, I've actually found that it's a lot easier for me to wake up and come out of my float if I actually push past the two hours. Yeah. So when oh, we were interesting. going and floating at a center, we could only really afford to be there for an hour. Sometimes if he didn't have someone after, he'd let us be in for an hour and a half. But uh -huh. this, this, uh, ever since we've had one at home, I generally try and average around three hours in the mm -hmm. tank. And that's, that's actually what I find is the optimal time. When I hop out, I feel re per like a perfect level of refreshness and just that's back on. Very, so, yeah, that's I'm not very interesting. These people that that you, industry is seen as people hard to wake up. Maybe it's just that they actually need to be in there for two, three hours. You know, that seems so aha obvious to me now that you've said that. That I can't believe I haven't had that thought before. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, how? Um, what mental state do you get to when you're floating now? Is it still? Uh, similar to those beginning ones of just just letting go completely and getting rest, or is there more uh, activity? I generally find that like it's interesting. Normally, the first it depends actually. If I've got something like on my mind, some something's happened, an incident's happened, I'm around an anniversary. Sometimes it can take me a little bit to unwind mm -hmm. once I to the tank. Uh, sure. But in, in saying that, Dylan it's, it's never that I'm in a stressed state it's just that i've got a lot of thoughts going through my head um and I, I sort of see it a bit like it takes me a while when you're sort of sitting down to meditate just to clear your thoughts out it's similar to that sometimes whereas other times i jump in the probably more so when i'm hopping in there for the pain or um sleep reasons i'll find i'll i'll go hop in there within the first five minutes i'm out and then i don't, I don't 
know that I'm in the tank for the whole time until mm. Beck comes down and puts the music back on. <laughs> <Nice>. wow. <laughs> Yeah. So that is fascinating. It, it, it really, and I, I guess to me, the only thing I can it can differentiate is whether I'm more doing it for my mental well-being and um, upkeep. It's more generally more I'll have a bit more of a conscious experience, whereas when I'm doing it more for the pain or recovery side of things, it's it's more of a really deep sort of sedated experience. For no, uh, Fascinating. This is phenomenally fascinating. This is very interesting. How um, is it uh, self-medicating? Like you just choose to go in there when you feel the need or do you flow um, Friday we, nights or whatever? Well, when we first got the tank at home, I was I was religiously trying to float at least once a week because mm-hmm. I was floating for three. Uh, it was it was far more, but I was trying to at least maintain mm. once a week because it's three hours. Now, I, <laughs> I still try to maintain once a week. But it is a, because we've picked up a few more things, run and weeded warrior and that, we, we, our yeah. time is a little bit more stretched. So I'd say it, at least once a month I'll be in the tank for three hours and just that's sort of my time to just to chill out. Beautiful. Get back on track again. Um, but yeah, ideally I would like to be using it once a month. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. once, once a week. Once a week, sure. Yeah. And, and Beck, how about you? Yeah, um, I, pretty much the same as Michael always trying to aim for that once a week type thing but it's sort of more once or twice a month type thing but yeah I guess it's probably more the same I it's about um that uh sort of closing down all the browsers you know I, I hear <laughs> right. that closing all the bra- browsers down on the computer and whatever and I feel like that's what I do to my brain it's like that yeah. that restart of the computer and what I get when I'm there and I guess the same when I've got things on my mind um, it's a bit more of an active float, and um, I guess I don't really, yeah, things, yeah. Um, and when I have the pain issues, it's it's like, yep, we're here to just get that relaxation and to nice. heal the part that needs to heal. Yeah. And and how long are your floats on average? Um, probably about an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, what does your um, network look like these days, whether it's family and, and also other uh, wives or partners of veterans and other veterans? What does that look like for you guys? Um, so in terms of direct family, my, my family is very supportive. And although with the medicinal cannabis side, it took them a little bit to come oh. around. But now they're very much in support of. I, I think seeing the, the the benefit, you know, is very big. And being my, being my parents, it's quite obvious to notice what change come back to war. And mm-hmm. then when all these medications to when he's off them and using a plant that's that, that like for them, I'm sure watching on that the, the comparisons they've just gone, yep, yeah, okay, if this is helping him, give him, let him do this, you know. Yeah. Um. But uh, uh, external from that. Um, like our networking, it's it's massive, you know, and mm. I guess it's all from this um, peer-to-peer rehabilitation concept um, where we've just started wanting to connect veterans with other veterans. Um, I guess it's driven out of my own want to connect with other ex-service people. Um, and that's allowed us to have around Australia as well as 
United States and a few in Canada too, really, um, where, where we're networked not just with um, veterans but also some of the medical professionals that are leading the fields in some of these alternative um, approaches to mental health. Uh-huh. Uh, so for, for us, that's, I guess that's um, why what, what's driven us to do Weeded Warrior and, and it helped us with running Weeded Warrior. Yeah, yeah. Almost having the uh, confirmation from some, like from these doctors and researchers and stuff has given us the confirmation that what we are doing right. is is right. You know, I, I, not that there's a right and wrong, but it it feels right. And I feel like even though there is a lot of talk about anecdotal and there's not really much solid science, you know, really having those doctors and researchers on board and on our side. Um, is, um, I guess, yeah, confirmation for me that that we're on the right path. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah, as Michael said, it's more about, you know, we've almost created the community of support through We, right. we didn't right. have it Because we really, um, I guess, particularly in the veteran community here and also in the ex- external community, Cannabis was still, it is still quite taboo, and uh-huh. we really had to go and find our own people. Who We're essentially like in the United States, cannabis is like I'm sure you're aware, like probably five, ten, maybe even fifteen years ahead of where we're at mm. back in Australia. <laughs> so we've really, uh, along with other groups, don't get me wrong, but especially in the ex-service community, we're really pioneering this. Yeah. Um, alternative approaches thing and so for us it was it was about building this community not just so we can support them but so they can support us as yeah. well yeah yeah and so it's been rewarding seeing that we can help other people but not only that but the support we now get back yeah, the, the, the messages like we, we now get emails and messages from people saying oh you've changed my life you've yeah. you've given me a whole way to things wow. a way of living you, I, I never thought this was possible yeah. you know and the, this is the sort of stuff that is really rewarding for us yeah. as well sure yeah <laughs> days like days when it's like this is all too much what are we, what have we gotten ourselves into and then you get those those messages and you're like that's what that's the that's yeah. the driving force yeah it's because it's yes it's other people as well who are, who are getting the benefits and you know and we we don't just talk about cannabis. Floating is like we talk about cannabis honestly every day, and and we get emails from people on a daily basis saying we've just fl- tried floating, or we're on our third float this week and we can't <laughs> benefits. And it's just like, see, you know, um, for us in, in terms of the float community, um, we've l- literally just reached out to. Um, float owners like people who are owning centers oh, cool. around but that's um our community that that we're a part of it's not like we knew a great deal of people out there who knew what floating was at the beginning you know we'd get the weird look like what the hell like you that? <laughs> like crazy. Yeah. that's crazy yeah, to look, you know so yeah in terms <laughs> of you really had to get out there and um and connect with owners with you know so and very cool. Very, yeah, they've yeah. been very supportive, which like that's one thing about the float community yeah. that we really love, and and we got to experience in Portland last mm. year. Like mm-hmm. just, special, yeah, just the like, 
love favorite. and support they can get from everyone. <laughs> background they yeah. are. A lot of other communities, there's a lot of in-house snipes and gripes and who's better than who, you know, mm-hmm. whereas I, I'm yet to experience that in the float commu- community. We've got all types. We've got all of that stuff too. Don't worry. But yeah, we are. <laughs> but we we are different. I I completely agree. Yeah. It is a phenomenal community. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful, and like none other that I've witnessed, we stand behind our veterans and we do everything we can to get them in our doors yeah. and to to have them experience it. I have a few more questions. One, uh, speaking of of vet- bringing veterans into our business. What is uh, what is your best recommendation for somebody coming into float for the first time as a veteran? It, is there anything that they should be aware of or go in with a particular intention? What would you tell a friend? Um, yeah, okay. So um, probably a little bit uh, uh, useful for both the floater and the floatee, so the float shop owner as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean... For me, uh, when I went and started floating with John, um, he the way he did it was you, you get in the tank and obviously you shower and do all that stuff first. Tank, you start the float off with um, 15 minutes of music and then you have time and then you do music. A lot of float centers I've been to aside from him only do the music at the end. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure whether there's um, some sort of theory behind that, but I know... De- from a lot of the veterans I've spoken to and from myself, that that initial music um, can be quite necessary to um, calm the mind, especially for a lot of vets, they got a very racy mind, you know. And for me, as I said, I was using cannabis when I hopped in the tank as well, so that slows that down. But there's a lot of vets that either, for whatever reasons, aren't using cannabis, whether they're not allowed to, haven't thought of it, opposed to it, whatever... So having that initial sort of relaxed meditation music at the start yeah. is very important to set them up for a, like a really nice flow. Interesting. Um, so for a lot of vets, I, I, I would say having that music at the start is, is vital. But um, for, for the actual float, floater, the veteran coming in, I'd say um, don't go in with too many expectations mm-hmm. Um, everyone's everyone's float from what I've just been speaking to a lot of my friends everyone's first float is can be very different um, so to go in there with an expectation of oh it'll be a really tranquil experience and all this stuff will happen it, it may not and then you're going to be sitting there waiting for it to happen and that ruins your mm-hmm. whole so I, I right when I, when I, people I kind of say like this is my experience but when you go in there Try and go in there with an open mind and not expecting anything. Just go in there with the intention of, I want to get some, whether it's healing, whether it's um, a, a broader mind perspective, whatever you're going in there for. Try and just hold that as your intention, not as, don't have expectations. I think one of the hardest things that I see and come across, and I'm sure that a lot of float center owners would find the same thing, is that people, not even just veterans, come in with the idea that if they float once, it will fix everything. Oh. Or, I mean, and that's not even just floating. That's, hey, I'll take a pill every day and everything's going to be okay. Right. You know, it just doesn't work like that. That cure it's, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, floating is something that you have to, you know, it's not a one, like... It's a practice. Yeah, it's a practice. Absolutely. It's like that's yoga. Absolutely. You don't go to yoga once and, and put your, <laughs> right, right. your head <laughs> yeah. on a guru, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's okay. Floating is it's it's a, a process, and hmm. floating once or twice even is 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 not going to be the answer. It's not going to be the thing that you know gives you that peace of mind or you know gives you that relaxation right. or whatever. It's consistent floating, and that could be once a week. It could be once a month. You know it. Everyone's there needs to be some yeah. regularity about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you for sharing. I have uh, two more questions. It's hopefully the same same question for each of you. Uh, Beck, I'll ask you first. What uh, I've been calling you Mick all night. Is it Mick or Michael? I keep... Oh, whatever you prefer. <laughs> Glad I'm clearing this up at the end of the show. Okay. <laughs> Mike, Mike, like the list goes on. <laughs> so many nicknames. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As long as it's not rude, and even some probably respond. <laughs> Perfect. I'll try not to try not to tread on any rude names. But uh, uh, so back, uh, what what has Michael brought to you, um, or or given you since coming back and going through this journey? What have, what have you gained? An open mind, really. <laughs> Michael has well and truly helped me open my to oh, a whole host of things out there that I mean before Michael I I just I don't even think that I would have even been open but it's not even because Michael put me onto it it's because of I guess the journey, the, the journey yeah uh-huh. um, has just sort of led us that way I suppose um but yeah I don't know it's it, I guess he's also, yeah, given me a lot of um, courage and, um, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's been a long journey and I don't think I would have been able to do it without Michael by, myself, by my side, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, Michael, same question to you. Um, I'd say my life, really, um, because I, as much as we talked about that there's got to be that desire to want to help yourself I think when you're in a in a dark hole and a dark situation like what I was and a lot of my friends have been in without someone caring and supportive by your side whether and it doesn't necessarily need to be a partner it can be family members or even a close friend but without without someone by your side to help you when you really the world's just wanting to finish you and you think about doing it yourself you know you need someone there to say hey man it's it's not all bad. There's at least one person that cares about you. And I, I think, I, like, yes, it, it took me to want to help myself, but without the support of Beck pointing me in the right direction and sort of having my best interests at heart at times, I, I hate to think where I'd be. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you guys so much for being on tonight's show. This has been one of the most meaningful episodes I've I feel like I've ever been a part of. So thank you so much for sharing. You two are beautiful. I I just my goodness uh, and and so so uh, bright and intelligent. I just uh, I love it. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. I can't wait to give you guys hugs when, I, when I'm coming to the um, conference this year. So oh you are. fantastic I, excellent oh, just oh. wonderful yeah so it's I'm excited. Michael, we'll, we'll miss you, but it's going to be, that'll be so awesome to see you. And, oh man, that makes me, that, that warms my heart. That's great. <sighs> well, great. Oh man. A lot of people are, are going to, are going to know you. <laughs> uh, that's, that's exciting. With um, Megan from Cocoon uh, Flotation at uh, oh, yes. Wollongong. 
Oh, okay, we wonderful. We, we've talked about her on the podcast just recently. She is so much fun. We love her so much. <laughs> That's great. She is. Uh, let's see here. Um, can you give out your, your website one more time, please? Uh, WeededWarrior.com, and you can also find us on Facebook. And, yeah. Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Twitter, too. Great. I think so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it exists... Uh, yeah we'll we'll put it on put it on the show notes <laughs> uh thanks to everybody for listening uh thanks to amy thanks brian for producing the show thanks to emily for writing our show notes if anybody would like to help uh, support the show uh, we do have a patreon going on currently a patreon campaign and until next time remember there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing so spend some time there we'll see you next week Thank you.